Our Future Now is produced by Goal 17 Media, storytellers for the common good. And in order for us to really talk about climate change and disrupting the system and, you know, having environmental justice, environmental liberation, we have to talk about it holistically. Hi, I'm Natalie Meebane. And I'm Jonah Gottlieb. We're co-founders of the National Children's Campaign. Welcome to Our Future Now. On this episode, we talk about environmental liberation, not-so-natural disasters, and systemic white supremacism. You know, Jonah, environmentalism and race really go together. You cannot separate them. You cannot pull them apart and think of them as two separate issues. As we said before, usually spaces and you know communities that are majority black or brown are the most impacted from um, from climate change and from these disasters yet at the same time most environmental activist spaces are very very white spaces but we are very fortunate today to have a guest with us destiny hodges who is the founder of generation green who is working every day to help change that so thank you so much for joining us destiny destiny welcome to our future now thank you guys for having me i'm excited to be here Tell us a little bit about Generation Green and what was your inspiration for starting it? Yeah, so Generation Green is a youth-led intergenerational community of Black environmentalists who are connecting Black social justice issues through an environmental justice lens. And I know that's wordy, but basically we all understand um, and have the philosophy that our environment is any and everything in our immediate surroundings, you know, with that environmental justice definition. So that means that it includes the biological, the political, the social, the geographical um, constructs and things in our environments that interact, that ultimately shape and determine an organism or a person's um, way of life and survival. And so just by having that definition, um, for us as Black environmentalists, we're able to center our Blackness in our work. I had an internship, my very first internship in the environmental space um, last summer. I wasn't there for three days. This was at a predominantly white-led, large environmental organization. I went to a conference and the dome was white supremacy. Um, basically, a white man got on stage and said white people were slaves too. And so just from, from the jump, it was like, wow, this is the space I have to work in. And that was very disheartening for me as, you know, someone who's in college, someone who's really taking this work seriously and who's really excited about it for just my imagination for just, you know, my hope for this work to be dampened like that. And I didn't want to see that happen to anybody else, um, especially in my generation. And I was the only Black woman of my generation in the room. So I decided right then and there, yeah, starting something that was Black-led, that centered Blackness that is for us and by us, as we say, um, FUBU, was absolutely necessary. These spaces aren't changing their foundation. Um, and to a degree, because their history is so racist um, and founded in white supremacism, they probably will never be able to change their spaces. And I don't want any other um, Black individual, um, especially Black youth, to enter a space like that where their imagination is stripped from them and where they have to suppress their Blackness. You know, thinking of just how how it must have felt being at that conference like you said it was just you had just started um interning and being a young person you're at first internship like that and how discouraging that can be i've also worked in large environmental organizations as well and 
I can tell you that there is a lot of times, a lot of resistance internally from changing anything. And I think that it's beautiful that you were able to start your own organization, not only centering um, Black activists, but also, like you said, centering Black youth activists so that you have a space to be in from a young age that you can feel comfortable in, that you can let your entire genius shine through. So I'm really happy that you did that. You know, people have been experiencing racism and white supremacism in this space while they've had to do this work for, in some case, decades, and they just deal with it. But we shouldn't have to deal with it. Um, and I guess people always say that my generation is the generation that is, we don't deal with it anymore. We're going to call it out um, and we're not going to accept it. And so this was, this was the case right here. And I think in a lot of cases, I've also heard people say how they've had the thought to go start their own organizations. But then the reality is that Black organizations, um, specifically in the nonprofit sector, but in general, do not receive the same level of funding. And so it's like, you want to go start something, but you know you're going to struggle with resources. We're in the middle of a pandemic. People have to live, you know, a livable wage. Um, and so it's very disheartening to even want to go start your own thing, especially after you've been in a space what could have been for 10, 20 years where your imagination is constantly getting, you know, trampled every day and you have to continuously suppress your blackness and deal with your racist boss or things of that nature. Talk about a stressful week of everything from fires to hurricanes to obviously the pandemic hasn't gone anywhere. And now we still have to see recorded murder and I just I feel like it's so shocking that we still feel like watching people being murdered on camera is normal how has that become a normal part of our everyday life we're treating the regularity of police violence and white supremacist violence as the same as a natural disaster in the same way that I expect the fires every year I expect to see videos of Black people being murdered on Twitter every few days. And that is just the norm that we are living in in this country and in this world. When you think about it, it just shows how deeply entrenched these problems are, that until you actually think about how ludicrous it is that these problems exist in the first place, you don't realize how screwed up everything is. I threw up watching the Jacob Blake video because I was not expecting that. I make it um, very intentional about not watching videos anymore, but that one kind of escalated very quickly and I didn't know what I was watching in that case. Um, and it happened so fast and it, it was just traumatizing, you know? We're sick of seeing this and I don't think people talk about enough that black people have PTSD. We have subconscious PTSD seeing these images over and over again. We have generational trauma from our ancestors who have been fighting for, for too long, for extremely too long. And so not only do we have generational trauma, we have our own trauma that's in this present moment. Um, and even last night, I had a dream, um, and this is kind of hard to talk about, but I had a dream that I was um, hanging out with a couple white friends from back home. And I don't recall what exactly happened, but there was a white supremacist rally outside and they came in the house and threatened everyone, attempted to murder me. Um, this, this is just very candid. And I had a weapon on me. I'm not really, I don't carry a weapon or anything, but I attempted to fire back and I was shot two times. This is in my dream. 
And I played dead and escaped out the window to a neighbor's house, saw my ankle that was bleeding, felt pain and woke up. White people are not having these dreams. White people are not experiencing this. They don't have this level of PTSD. And that, that's something I have to dream about at night, you know? And I'm not the only one. By, by far, I'm not the only one. There's people who've actually lost family members to white terrorism. Um, and this is the reality of what the Black community goes through on a daily basis. And I don't think we take enough time to really talk about that or to start a process of healing. But then how can you heal in the middle of everything that's going on? The police don't ask you to submit your LinkedIn profile or your resume before they murder you. You know, your money, your education, your standing in this society is not going to protect you. And every Black family knows that. It's a most draining, terrifying feeling knowing that there are people who want to hunt you and your family for sport. And that's supposed to be another Thursday. Yeah, and I think with this election year and everything that's going on, I think we're going to unfortunately see more cases like what happened in Wisconsin um, after protests that sparked after the shooting of Jacob Blake, um, where white supremacist terrorists um, decide to take it upon themselves and shoot protesters. I, I think that's, that's going to be, I think we're going to see more of that, unfortunately. Um, where white terrorists decide to police things themselves because they don't like what's going on. Um, And that is terrifying, uh, extremely terrifying. And I I think it's really going to be the case, regardless of who wins the election in November, I think we are going to see America at war. We're already at war. We've been at war. But I think we're really going to see America at war. And that's terrifying, especially as a young Black activist. Um, Oluwatoyin, who was a Black activist, who was murdered um, in New York earlier this year in June, would have turned 20 yesterday. Fred Hampton was 21 years old when he was murdered by the U.S. government in his apartment. I'm 20 years old. And this is terrifying. You know, I, as a child, you hear about these things where honestly in history, you don't really learn the real history, especially if you're from the South like me. Um, and to learn that people were, were your age or for you to become an age and then become an activist and start to really learn about things and, you know, have your own opinions on, thing and then, on things and then to realize your life is at risk. Like um, me going to marches, I have to call my parents and be like, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I have to let you know. Um, so if anything happens, this is where I'll be. I'll make sure someone has your phone number, you know, like this, this is what we have to go through on a daily basis. And I can't stress enough how traumatizing that is. Thinking about your work and how you created this space to really center and uplift Black organizers and Black spaces. I mean, what do you feel would be the mission for your work in terms of of, of fighting for Black lives? Obviously, for all of us are fighting for Black lives, but also for fighting for Black lives on the in the environmental movement. It's about damn time that somebody roots for black people. We've been rooting for us. Like how they always say, you know, nobody roots for black women or is there for black women like black women. Nobody is there for black folks like black folks. Okay. And so that that's what my work is for. I know that what I'm meant to do is to help my people. We can't talk about climate change at all without the first thing coming out of someone's mouth being that climate change started at the onset of colonialism, period. White supremacism is the reason that we have the climate crisis. And I say white supremacism because I do not accept that white people are supreme. Um, But 
that is the reason that we're in this whole mess. So if we're going to talk about anything regarding the climate, environment, we have to acknowledge that white supremacism, white supremacism is the reason that we're in this. Um, and I actually didn't know this piece of information until I was listening to another podcast, um, I think uh, Mothers of Invention. And apparently when um, European colonizers went, came to the Americas and you know inflicted genocide upon the native and indigenous people who were here, there was a mini ice age that took place. And I, I never knew about this, but um, I, I think that that's wild <laughs> to really think about. It's not shocking. Um, and so I think it's extremely important to have that, that frame of reference, to have that centered in the work for the environment and the work for climate. And again, environment for me is in no way limited to the natural. And for Black people, it has never been limited to the natural because our environment has been plagued with white supremacism, with racism, with corporate capitalism, um, you name it. I mean, chattel slavery might be gone, but all these things still exist. As I was talking about how we have to deal with generational trauma, not much has changed, things just change form. You know, like slavery still very much exists. We have the prison industrial complex. And talking about Jonah, what's going on um, with you in California with the fires, and I'm pretty sure you guys have talked about this on previous episodes. Those firefighters are, are prisoners, they're imprisoned and they're being paid a ridiculous amount from $2 to $5 an hour. That, that's ridiculous, um, you know? And so these are, these are environmental justice issues. And at Generation Green, we use the term environmental liberation because we're not just talking about justice. We need to be free. These problems do not need to exist anymore. Yes, we need justice, we need reparations, but we need to dismantle all of these systems um, because as long as they exist, somebody is going to be at the bottom and somebody will receive the short end of the stick. White supremacism, all these systems operate with blackness at the bottom. Throughout the African diaspora, which Generation Green um, is really striving to, to expand and to connect with diaspora because just, just like here in America, the same companies that are polluting communities in Louisiana, in New York, in Cali, you name it, are the same companies that are polluting and extracting resources on the continent of Africa in the Caribbean. Um, there's colonialism taking place again with neocolonialism, you know, with, with countries like China settling in Africa and in Jamaica and other parts of the Caribbean and giving out these huge loans to industrialized places um, and outsourcing resources like labor and things of that nature. Things are still taking place. And in order for us to really talk about climate change and disrupting the system and you know, having environmental justice, environmental liberation, we have to talk about it holistically. Destiny, one thing that you said that really spoke to me was that it seemed like Black people were the only ones rooting for Black people, and Black women specifically were the only ones rooting for Black women. And so as a white dude, as a white person who is rooting for Black people, how can I take that from just a mental state and move that into action? And how can, for our white listeners, how can they work to deconstruct all of the racism and white supremacism in their environments? Well, first, I'd say with anyone, it begins on reflecting internally. Um, we all grow up in this society. We are all socialized by a white supremacist society. And we have to realize that and grapple with that, which in some cases I know for white people, I've had a lot of conversations, um, although I try to limit them. Um, and I think that's really hard for people to to be okay with. I mean, not that you should be okay with it, but to come to terms with um, and to understand truly how we've been socialized 
specifically white people when it comes to places, um, positions of privilege and power. And so I think that's, that's the number one thing is to reflect internally. And there's a lot of people who, you know, say they're progressive or, or liberal, et cetera, et cetera, but they don't actually take the time to review their actions and the way they've been conditioned and to seriously address that. Um, and so I think that's, that's the number one thing. The second thing is to show up, show up in spaces, show up at marches, um, show up in any way possible, show up when your coworkers are dealing with discrimination. You know, if you're, if you're there and you overhear a conversation, speak up. And oftentimes we can't speak up because our jobs are on the line. And unfortunately, um, white people are in a place of privilege to where that might not necessarily be the case for them. So speak up, speak out. Um, and yeah, really take the time to, to analyze yourself and to see how you've been conditioned and share resources. Donate to organizations that are youth-led, that are Black-led, because people need resources and they're very hard to acquire. You know, just thinking from the working perspective, right, when you're in a, in a space, a workspace, whether it's the environmental field or whether any field, any place that you're in, I think one of the things that a lot of times that happen, uh, a lot of times in spaces when a Black person does speak up to a friend who's a white friend, is sometimes they don't get believed you know sometimes they get told like oh that couldn't have really happened oh that must be an exaggeration and what you're really doing in that moment is telling the person that they're a liar and what you're really doing is saying to them that their lived experience every single day is not accurate because it has never happened to me therefore it could not have happened to you and I think that that sometimes is a reason why a lot of people hold things in. They hold in that stress because they know that even if they told people that they somewhat trust, there is a high likelihood that they're going to say that their experiences aren't real. And on top of that, power protects power. So even if everything is reported and all of the mechanisms are, are gone through to report it in the structure, the power doesn't snitch on itself. People in power are not going to tell you, oh, yes, I believe you. It's true. No, they're going to tell you that it's not happening. They're going to tell you that that's not the case. They're going to, in nine times out of 10, at least from my own experiences and from what I've seen and experienced personally, they're going to tell you that you're wrong and that it is 100% your fault. And I think that's something that I can say is my advice as somebody who is, you know, a little bit older, obviously older than both of you, is do not internalize it. Do not ever, ever blame yourself. That's something that's happening right now with the police blaming Jacob Blake, and we're not going to accept that. Believe people around you. Do not discount their stories. Do not try to change, amend, or sanitize what they tell you. Listen the first time so they don't have to repeat themselves. I want to emphasize what you just said because that is, that is so important. There are so many stories, so many experiences that have not been believed simply because the person telling them was Black. And that could have cost them, or in many cases did cost them, their livelihoods because nobody believes them. Um, their jobs, their future, their sanity, and, and that can no longer be the case. So yes, that is the number one thing. Um, and in terms of speaking on how can white people be allies, I think what's also a good question and point to raise and, and pieces of advice is how can Black people um, operate in these spaces and or create safe spaces for themselves and their community? Um, and so honestly, my advice is to always put yourself first. 
Um, and so, you know, check in with yourself mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, and don't put those things on the line. Set boundaries. Boundaries and expectations are a huge part of this work, or they should be, because again, remember, this should be healing work. Um, and at Generation Green, we've been very, very intentional about writing community guidelines and building a space that is safe for us. Um, and then also when it comes to, you know, building our own spaces, we have to make sure that we do not internalize systems of oppression. Um, and this goes back to, again, checking the way that you, you know, we've all been conditioned. And this goes for Black people too. Like I said, everybody has been conditioned in a society and we have to be very real and, you know, combat and actively feel and release and address and heal um, the things that we have experienced. So making sure we don't internalize systems of oppress oppression. And I'll give an example. Um, internalized racism is colorism. You know, like in the Black community where we see fairer skin as better, well, that's because there's racism where white is right. You know, and so just being sure that we don't do that, especially in our workspaces and especially as organizers where things are always rushed um, and, you know, there's hard to meet deadlines. Things don't always turn out, you know, how we want them to. And so it's just it's great to create a safe space. And one um, resource that I'll plug in is the Black Manifesto, which can the Black Space Manifesto, which can be found at blackspace.org um, slash manifesto. And they have things on here like making sure you create circles and not lines. So making sure you create less hierarchy and more dialogue, inclusion and empowerment. Um, create, catalyze and amplify black joy. Black joy is a radical act and I cannot express that enough. So, you know, give space for joy, laughter, humor and gratitude. Um, reckon with the past to build the future. And I think this is something that's key in all spaces, especially in white led environmental spaces where they they really need to grapple with you know meaningfully acknowledging the histories the injustice the innovations and the victories of spaces and places before new work can begin um, and manifest the future you know like we're ultimately all envisioning and actively seeking to build and to live in the future that we want to see so these are all important things that we must continue to do to to make sure that we don't internalize systems of oppression and that we keep our imagination alive Destiny, we want to say thank you so much for joining us today. We are really happy to have you here to talk about everything that you've been doing, to talk about Generation Green. And is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners before you go? Yes. First, thank you guys so much for having me. Um, it's so great to be here and to have these very real, candid and needed conversations. I'd just like to remind everybody to please take care of yourselves during this time. We are in a pandemic. We are also dealing with the public health crisis of racism and um, the realities of that. So be sure that you take time, whether that's five or 15 minutes a day to really, you know, center yourself, ground yourself, check in with yourself to see where you are mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally, and to heal. You know, this, this should be, this work in environmentalism should be healing. And there's so much going on in the world right now. We all need to prioritize healing. Destiny, thank you so much for being with us. It's a pleasure to have you on. You guys have a podcast at Generation Green, don't you? Yes, we do. Funny enough, um, it's called Black and Breathless, and it really embodies much of the things that I've talked about on this episode, um, connecting Black social justice issues through that environmental lens. You can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Um, and once again, the name of the podcast is called Black and Breathless. Thank you for listening to this episode of Our Future Now. 
If you agreed with anything that was said on this podcast, please go support Destiny's work and the work of her entire team. You can go to jen-green.org slash donate, and you can support the amazing work that Generation Green is doing to make a better world for all of us, but especially for Black environmentalists and for Black people everywhere. Our Future Now is produced by Goal 17 Media, storytellers for the common good. Our media partners are Parentology. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite streaming platform and share this episode with your family and friends on social media. I'm Jonah Gottlieb. And I'm Natalie Niebane. And this is Our Future Now.